message is part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. All right. I'm sure everyone feels welcome. All right. Good. Wonderful. Wonderful. It's a pleasure again to be here and to share from God's Word. I want us to turn our Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. We'll read the last few verses. Acts chapter 2 from verse 42 to verse 47. Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Verse 47. Praising God and enjoying the faith of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Eternal Father, again we thank you for this morning. You're a great God. You're a wonderful God. You're merciful, God. We thank you that we can come together like this and look into your word and be challenged and be encouraged. Lord, we ask that you might speak to our hearts and encourage us. We pray for a nation and we even think of this flight that has been lost for over two weeks now. We're not exactly sure what happened, but Lord... We know that you're in control. We pray for the families who are involved. We pray that you might comfort their heart, their hearts even now. And pray in the end. You will receive all the glory and all the praise. Lord, speak to us this morning. And may your name be exalted and be glorified. In Christ's name. Amen. Pastor Darrell asks Bruce and me not to give an exegetical or expository message but to speak from our hearts about our desires for cornerstone. Last Sunday, Bruce spoke about his heart, about the gift we receive from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. The gift of salvation. We did not earn it or do anything to receive the free gift. It is all from God. As I examine the life of of Cornerstone over the number of years I've been here, I've asked myself, what is my desire for Cornerstone? How would I like to see Cornerstone function? In the next two to three years, where would I like to see Cornerstone. 
We're all busy with our personal lives. We have car troubles. We have things to fix around the house. We, we, we have husbands and wives, children, who continuously keep us young. Actually, all our lives seem to be centered around our children. What they want to do, when they want to do it, and how they want to do it. In light of our busy lives, we do not place much emphasis on the life of Cornerstone. What I will be challenging you with this morning might be extremely difficult. But please know I am saying it out of love and concern for this local body called Cornerstone. This conversation is not just for you, it's for me and it's for all of us. I've been, at, I've been here at Cornerstone from the early beginning. I've spoken to people. I've, see, I've seen people come and go for various reasons. One of the main reasons people gave for leaving Cornerstone, they say, I don't feel like I belong. Or, I don't feel connected. I ask myself the question, why are they saying this? Why do they not feel comfortable or welcome? May I suggest to you that some of us don't actively practice one of the main principles of the local church that can be found in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, and that is fellowship. Fellowship is the basic ingredient for a local church. Fellowship is the basic ingredient for a local church. Another principle that is taught in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, Acts chapter 2, 42 to 45, that I believe if we take advantage of, we will grow by leaps and bounds. And that is to fall prostrate at the foot of the cross. How much time do we kneel and spend before the Lord? What is your prayer life like? If I were to ask you how much time do you spend in prayer, what would be your answer? I know I would fail. I know I would fail. I don't spend enough time in prayer. I don't spend enough time falling prostrate at the feet of the Almighty, telling Him how grateful and wonderful he is. I don't spend enough time falling prostrate before Almighty God telling him how great he is or pray for the church family, my wife, my son, my extended family and the government. What about us as a corporate body? We don't. We don't. If Cornerstone is to grow spiritually and numerically, I believe we need to emphasize and practice these two principles, fellowship and prayer. I believe we are, we are solid when it comes to the preaching and teaching of the word of God. That is our strength. Darrell each week expounds the Bible verse by verse and we enjoy and we should. He gives us detailed information about God's word. We say, right, Pastor Darrell, that's good. 
But I believe our air of weakness are in our fellowship and prayer and prayer life. If Cornerstone needs to get over the hump, fellowship and prayer must be an integral part of our daily life. Integral part. Let's examine these two ears that I think are our weakness. Fellowship. A very key part of a local church is fellowship. Fellowship helps us to encourage and be encouraged. At the inception of the local church in Acts, they practice fellowship. Fellowship was part of, of, of who they were. The text says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. This was not a one-time act. The early church actively engaged in fellowship. They met together on a regular basis. That this, was a, a, this was an authoritative tradition that they practiced daily. This was, an, this was an outward act of fellowship. Not just on Sunday morning, uh, Sunday morning not just having a Sunday morning spiritual affinity. When, when you ask, how are you doing? Not really expecting an answer. The believers in the early church were, more, were from various backgrounds and traditions. They did not allow their differences to hinder, their, hinder them from fellowship. They had a common cause, and that common cause was Jesus. They devoted themselves to steadfast fellowship. I don't believe they got into people's business. Maybe at times when they had to, they did. They did it out of love and concern for one another. Listen, the mark of a true church is one that is grounded closely, lovingly, and fellowship one with the other. That is the mark of a true church. So we can have all the other stuff, all the good theology, all keeping our, our, our eggs in one basket, our row in one basket. It doesn't matter if we do, if we do not have good fellowship. The tie that binds a church is its fellowship. If there's no tie that binds, if there's no fellowship, if there's no concern for fellow believers, then there's no reason to have church. If there's no tie, if there is if no, if there is this, if there's no tie that binds, if there's no fellowship, then what sense are we meeting? It doesn't it, it doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. We might know the right theological terms, but if we do not, if we do not practice fellowship, we're just cold and without heart. We're just cold and without heart. Our existence will no longer be necessary if we do not practice fellowship. Angela just had back surgery, and if we don't visit and come alongside and encourage her, then Cornerstone is not serving its purpose. Our sister Nancy just had foot surgery. And if you don't see her in a while and you, and you don't find out what is going on, then Cornerstone does not serve its purpose. We have ladies, our families here having babies, and if we don't come alongside them and don't support them, Cornerstone does not need to continue. That's what it's all about, folks. 
That's what it's all about. What does Galatians 6, 10 says? It says, Therefore, therefore as we, therefore as we, we have the opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those of the household of faith. Ecclesiastics 4 verse 12 says, though one, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A, three, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. It's much better as when, when we come together as a family and encourage and, and, and know how, we are, how, how life is working. We need to do life together. We, have a, we, we share a common life. This common life is when a group of people of the same faith comes together and say we are doing life together. It is brought about because of the unity we share with the Holy Spirit. That's how, that's, that's how it's, it, it comes about. We should not be isolated and just stay in our own corner and do our own thing. Let's come together as a family and do life together. And do life together. It's already hard. It's already hard doing life by ourselves. It is better when we come together and share our, 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 our burdens and pains, our sorrows and joys, our ups and downs. I know it is not possible, but sometimes Trace and I, uh, uh, Trace and I wish Cornerstone was of a communal community where we come together as one and we enjoy each other's company. Our kids can play, we can share life together. But I know it's not possible. It's not possible. I know this might not be possible, but the early church gave a platform where we should work. Where we, where, where we should work from. The early sh- church sold their possessions and those who had plenty helped those who were, th- those who were in, in need. I am not asking you to sell your possessions and to, give, and, to give, and to give it all away. What I am saying, if a family member is in need, we as a local body of believers must come alongside and know what, and know what is going on and support in whatever way possible. If we, need, if we need to babysit, let's do it. If, 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 if we have to transport a family because their car is in the shop, let's do it. If there's a bill to be paid, we ought to help. We do not know, we, 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 we do, we, do you know, do you know that, that one of the reasons we work is not just to support our own, our own self, our own family. One of the reasons we work is not just to support our own family. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, 28, sorry. Ephesians chapter 4. I want us to see what the text says. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 says, he who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must, but must work, doing something useful with his hands, that he may have something to share with those in what? In need. So when we're working and we're working our jobs, yes, we ought to take for our family, but also 
those who are in need. The purpose of our working is to help those who are in need. So let us keep our, our, our stuff to ourselves. But God wants us to fellowship one with the other so that we can share what we do have. We can share what we do have. We are one body. We are one body. And, and, and um, you can put this on, 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 up on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Sheila, I'm going to ask you to read this for me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 12 to verse 20. Can you read that for us, please? Let me continue here. Verse 17 says, If the whole body were an eye, where would, this, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an air, where would be the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts, of, the parts in, in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Many parts, but one body. I can't live without you, folks. You can't live without me. We're all of this body. One body, but different parts. We need, we need each other. When you're crying, I should be crying also. When you're rejoicing, I should be rejoicing also. We, 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 are, we are parts of the, of the one body because what? We name the name of Jesus Christ. We name the name of Jesus Christ. Galatians 6, 2 says, Carry each other's burden, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. The members of this body, which is called Cornerstone, are responsible for the needs of this body, which is called Cornerstone. Galatians 2.6 says, and I paraphrase, when we practice mutual love and, cons and concern for, for the members of this local body, we're fulfilling God's law. Some years ago, 
Some years ago, Pastor Darrell asked us to build relationship and fellowship with each other. One of the ways he gave for building relationship and fellowship was to invite different members into your home and share a meal. I am biased to the home, home meal over a restaurant. I believe in the home there is more time to share and enjoy each other's company more. When he said this, just a few people, few people came and practiced what he asked us to do. I understand it cannot be done every week and it costs money. I know we, are, we, we, we have scheduled to follow and our life to live. However, Acts 2.42 tells us they devoted themselves to fellowship. It was a regular practice. It was a regular practice that these believers came together when it was necessary. And they fellowshiped one with the other and they cared for each other. Trace and Anki would, would, not, would, would not mind if we have, 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 have members <coughs> over a week. That, but that is how we are. At one point as a family, we, we, we were trying to have every new, every new family that, came to, that became a member of Cornerstone to have them over for dinner. Somehow it stopped. For whatever reason. For whatever reason it stopped. However, this does not preclude us from practicing fellowship. You might not be able to do it every week, maybe once a month or every other month, every other month, but we ought to make it a regular practice as a body of believers where we come together and know the burdens of our brothers and sisters and encourage them. We ought to practice fellowship, folks. We ought to practice. We don't want to hear, or at least I don't want to hear again, when you ask someone, why are you, <coughs> why are you leaving? <coughs> leaving, he or she tells me, I don't feel connected. I don't feel connected. Why are they not feel connected? We, they might have some problem. I'm not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not saying that. They might have, have issues they're going through. But part of the responsibility is on us. Part of the responsibility is on us to come alongside, to talk with folk and share with folk and get to know people. I don't know. I know we won't be able to, <coughs> to please everybody. But it should be the norm. If it is the norm, it should not be the norm, sorry. It should not be the norm where, where, where people feel disconnected. If it is the norm, then something is wrong with us. Another aspect of our fellowship that we need to take into consideration is this. When Christ is in control, everyone who walks through these doors will be accepted and loved. I am not saying we will condone what people say, do, say and do. But they must sense the love of God when they, when they come through these doors. 
I can remember in 2006 when Cornerstone was a month or two in existence. Tracy, Q and I came through the door of the intermediate school where we were meeting an older gentleman by the name of Mr. Jimmy. I think he, he, he came here, he, he was here for a while when we came here in this location. Mr. Jimmy came and he greeted us and he was friendly and we felt welcome. That was one of the reasons we came back to Cornerstone. If, a, if visitors are going to feel welcome, when they, walk <coughs> when they walk through these doors, we must take the initiative. Listen to me. We must take the initiative to make them feel welcome. We must <coughs> take the initiative to make them feel welcome. Can, can I be honest with you? Can I be honest? This, maybe this is just from my viewpoint, and I'm totally wrong. Maybe it's just from my viewpoint, and I'm totally wrong. But you know what kills me? What kills me is this. Many times I see people walk through these front doors. And instead of us stopping from what we are doing, maybe we are talking to someone. Instead of us stopping from what we are doing and greet them, we allow them to pass by. Go to the back with their kids or come inside here and we don't say a word to them. That kills me. That kills me. How can we allow someone to walk through the front door and we're here outside there and we don't say a word to them. We allow them to walk back there or walk or walk and come inside there and we don't say a word to them. That kills me. It should not happen. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just me. But that kills me. A vis if a visitor walks through these doors each one of us should be lining up to shake their hands and welcoming them. They should not walk through these doors and you don't know the tenderness and the roughness of his or her hand. You should, you, you should know. Or we should know. If people are going to come back to Cornerstone, when they walk through these doors, I believe they must feel welcome in the first five or ten minutes. Or else they'll go, they'll come, sit, and then after church they'll leave and, and they will not come back. If you are going to, if, we are, if you are going to, or if you're talking to a regular member and you see a new face or a new face you have not seen in a long time, Tell the person you're talking to, to, just a minute, let me go and greet this family. Don't let them come, let, don't let them go to the back with their kids or walk into the sanctuary and we don't say hello. You don't need to have a long conversation, but just to welcome them and let them know how much you appreciate them being here. It's not, it's not that hard. It's not. I'm not asking you to, 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 to come up with a, have a great big conversation. 
but just welcome them and let them know they're welcome. Just show the love of Christ by letting the person feel welcome. Making people feel love, warm, welcome goes a long, goes a long way. I'm sure maybe after word get back to Pastor Darrell, he might not ask me to speak again. John 13.35 says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. A story is told of a shabby, shabbily dressed boy who trudged several miles through the snow streets of Chicago, determined to attend a Bible class that was conducted by D.L. Moody. When he arrived, he was asked, why did you come to Sunday school so far away? Why didn't you go to one of, to, to one of the churches near your home? He answered simply, because you love a fellow over here. Like that, like, like that boy, people all around us are still looking for love. They are longing to be warmly accepted by someone who really cares. When a, when a person or a family walks through these doors, don't let them walk to the back with their children or walk in the sanctuary and we don't say a word to them. Stop whatever we're doing and welcome them. Let them feel at home. Let them, let them feel like they belong. That they belong. Let them feel connected. Secondly and finally, talk about fellowship, but another trait that is marked by the early church was their devotion and steadfastness to prayer. They actively engaged in prayer. Again, this was not a one-time act. It was a devotion to them. It seems like the early church members prayed in their sleep. They, 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 they possessed an active prayer life. To them, prayer <clears throat> was more than just a ritual or some habit that they were supposed to indulge in once in a while. Prayer to them was their lifeline. Prayer was their lifeline. It was their link to the <clears throat> to the heavenly Father and the means, by, the means whereby he communicated with them, with communicated with them. In the modern church, I believe, people don't pray as much. People don't pray as much. A church that is not praying is playing. A church that is not praying is straying. The church has become poverty-stricken because there's no intensity in our prayer life. Churches are more prosperous, more organized, more educated, yet at the same time weaker because Christians don't pray as much as they should. <coughs> don't pray as much 
as they, as they should. We like to study theology, which is the study of God. Anthropology, the study of man. man. Soteriology, the, the study of salvation. Pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit. Ecclesiology, the study of the church. Eschatology, the study of last things. But never study neology, the study of being on our knees and praying to Almighty God. We like to study all these other theology, but when it comes to neology, we do not study. We don't spend time on our knees and pray to Almighty God. Nothing is wrong with theology, eschatology and all these, anthropology and all these things. Nothing is wrong, but I think, I think, we are, more, we are most effective when we are on our knees and praying to God. A little more neology would do a lot more than all this theology and anthropology, soteriology. If we are on our knees, as one songwriter said, on our knees, we are taller than trees. It's time we come together as a body of believers and, 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 and we <coughs> lift the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We tell him how great and wonderful he is. We pray for those who are in need. We pray for our family. We pray for our government. We pray for things around us and, and everything else. And we pray, we go on our knees and tell God how wonderful and majestic he is. No, we spend little time, little time on our knees. When we're asked, and I, and I, and I, and I, I don't use it as much, but when there are asked many times to use the altar, you don't. I believe as a church body, if we spend time praying, we'll grow leap, leaps and bounds. It is essential, it is critical that we spend time on our knees and pray to Almighty God. James 5, 16 tells us the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. God is looking for people who are intentional and intense in prayer. There's a difference in saying a prayer and praying. God is not blown away by a person's length or volume in prayer. He is, in, is, he, he is not in awe of the pious or great theological language one might use in prayer. What matters to God is one's fervency one's intensity and one's heart in prayer. What we need as a church are more people who are defined by their passion for prayer. That's what we need. We need more people who are defined by their passion for prayer. We need people who, who wrestle 
before God in prayer. Wrestle before God in prayer. This is where we will find rest and shelter when we are on our knees and praying to God. That's where we'll find rest and shelter, crying out to Him, telling Him our weakness, our failure, but giving Him the glory and majesty that He deserves. Psalm 91 1 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. We find rest in Christ when we come to the mercy seat of the Almighty with great intensity and laying everything at His feet, knowing He is dependable. What He says is true, and we put our faith and confidence. In him, knowing everything works together for good according to his will and purpose. According to his will and purpose. We need to spend time in prayer. I believe as a church we should be defined by our prayer life. If we as a church are to move to the next level, we must place great emphasis on prayer. My desire for Cornerstone is to move to the next level. The early, church, the early church came together as a body of believers. I think there's something, I think there's something special about a body of believers coming together and spending time in prayer. I think there's something special about a body of believers coming together and spending time. Spending time. Before God. A time when we. Come together as a family. And come before the mercy seat of God. Almighty and fall prostrate. Before God and pour our hearts. To him. When was the last time. When was the last time. We come together. As a church. As a body of believers. As a family. And just prayed. When was the last time? We, 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 we come once a month for dinner on Wednesday. Wednesday night which is great and wonderful. And I, and I enjoy every minute of it. We, we have a good number of people. Who come out on Wednesday night for dinner. But if I were to say let us come once a month for prayer. How many people would show up? Actually, I did. I sent an email encouraging folk to come out the first Sunday of this month for a time when we just lift up the name of God. And guess what? Just a few people were sitting inside here. Maybe, maybe, maybe you did not, or you did not get the email, or the leaders did not announce it, and maybe it's on us. Why that, that was the case. But let me give you another opportunity. On April 6th, on April 6th, once a month, the next one is on April 6th, we'll be having a time of prayer where the body of believers come together and pray to Almighty God. So let me encourage you. 
If you did not get the first message, here's the second message. The 6th of April, we're coming together as a body of believers and we're going to go on our knees and pray to Almighty God. So let me encourage you to be there. It's important, folks. I understand, yes, we do it as an individual at home and so on, but here the early church gathered together and they prayed as a family. They prayed as a family. Let's have a full house and come before God and spill our soul to him who is anxiously and patiently waiting to hear from his children. Prayer is the heart of God. Prayer is the heart of God. Prayer is the bloodline of the church. God loves when his people come to him with a sense of dependency, knowing that you are trusting in him for direction. Romans 12 12 says, Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Colossians 4, 2 says, Continue steadfast in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17 says, Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. I remember when I was growing up, one of the things we usually say was, Pray when you feel like, pray when you don't feel like, and pray until you feel like. Pray when you feel like, pray when you don't feel like, and pray until you feel like. Never stop praying. Pray for each other. When we pray for each other, I believe we will have a better fellowship with each other. This is where we know, we know what is going on, going on in people's life, and we can be a source of strength them. I think it brings joy to the heart of God because it says you're not trusting in your own strength but you're trusting in his strength. Please please don't let me don't don't let me leave you or don't let me leave you discouraged. Cornerstone does reach out and help in many different ways. Last year, a bunch of you came out and helped Tracy, Q and I to move. We were blown away by the number of people who came and came with trucks, dollars, trailers, and back braces. With everyone that came, we got 90% of the work done in one evening. Trace and I were so blessed by this and talked about it for weeks. I know you were, you're, you're good about taking meals to new moms and those who have been in the hospital. People have helped with pancakes and, 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 um, and now helping, helping with serve. Let's continue to do this and more. This is my heart for Cornerstone. This is what I would like to see Cornerstone do more in the future. To put an emphasis on each other through fellowship and prayer. I believe in Cornerstone. 
I believe in you. Pastor Darrell and, and Bruce believe in you. If I did not, then I would not be here for all these years. My heart for Cornerstone is that we take the bull by the arm and practice what the early church did steadfastly. They practice fellowship and prayer. Let me encourage you to be like the early church and be steadfast and devoted and devote yourself to fellowship and prayer. Can we do that? Can we be devoted to fellowship and prayer? I strongly believe if we do this, cornerstone will grow leaps and bounds. Let us pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word. I know you have challenged us. And yes, Lord, you have challenged us. But Father, we ask that your word would not return void. But as a body of local believers here in Jefferson, we will not only hear your word, but we will practice your word. Again, Lord, we ask that as we should go from here, you might truly, truly challenge our hearts. And we will leave here different from when we came. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And may we be committed to the practicing of fellowship and prayer. We love you. We thank you. In Christ's name. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.